0: Hey everyone, Tom here, Alf Vitalica, back with yet another episode of the show. Today we are tackling Some Kind of Monster. The, well I wanted to say titular track, it really feels a titular track for the era, you know, obviously the name of the film, St. Angers the Album. The third track on the record, this sprawling, punishing monolith that we are going to dismember you know today is is no different if you're not familiar with the show it is myself and a guest from around the world I'm pretty sure I I need to do the exact statistics because as we're nearing the end of the show I'm thinking of these analytics in a certain way in my head and I'm not sure exactly how many I think I've had like a hundred or so Metallica fans or something like that some authors on there as well obviously Sir Ray Burton and you know. Go back and check those out. And if you do want to come on the show, at MetallicaPod.gmail.com is the best way to get in touch with me. We are done now with the songs pretty much in terms of the slots. You know, maybe some people drop out, some people always do. But for the most part, that is watertight. But if you want to come on and discuss a concert or an era or anything like that, it'd be great to hear from you. Patreon and iTunes are there. If you want to support the show, you can leave a review on iTunes and, of course, obviously donate on Patreon as well. All the episodes go there first. You know, stuff like the recent Deep Purple um, discussion that we did with Deep Purple podcast as well as the So What Files and the traditional Al episodes will be there. But today I am joined by someone I've had twice on the show. Some great conversations. Awesome to have him back. Jeremy, how's it going?
1: Good, Tom. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. I, I love this show and... it's pretty amazing that you're getting so close to the end of the road here. And and I don't know if maybe this is just me, but it seems like I've picked up maybe just a little bit of relief in your voice about that.
0: (laughs) Uh, Not not really. I think I still am going to keep doing the show in some form. And the show is... I don't know. It's just been a nice kind of traditional thing. Like with my other podcast, they're far more long research involved. and But these are just like breezy 20, 30 minute discussions. So, you know, maybe I'll miss them, but maybe you're right as well. You know, <laughs> it, it, it will be surreal. It'll be like it'll be like, you know, in the Truman Show when Jim Carrey goes in the real world. Like when I record that final episode, which I think is um, you really got me. That's it. It's done until Beyond Hardwired comes out or something like that. Yeah well you've you've you've
1: done a great job and it's been a treasure to have this in the Kind of our Metallica history and, and appreciate you doing
0: it, no, it's great. No, 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 I, you know, I, I appreciate that and, like, these sort of critical documents exist elsewhere. as a Beatles one that they've done and, you know, I, I really like Martin Popov's books. I don't know if you're familiar with the Canadian rock journalist, author. Yeah, yeah, he does a great job. He does he does hundreds of books uh, chronicling really obscure bands and stuff like that. So, yeah, it is a higher calling and, like I mentioned, Deep Purple Pod and Sad Bloody Podcast and Metal Like Your Podcast of course as well, like, you know. Today we're discussing some kind of monster and before we get into the song itself um obviously this is, this is you know the name of the film as i say and this very much feels like a you know an accurate portrayal sonically of the turmoil that both the band was suffering and as a result the fans like i know you were around at this time you were registering it a bit more keenly than myself um what, what was this like as a fan this whole kind of this movie coming out that was going to expose the dirty innards of this band you idolize
1: yeah so uh, you know by the time this record came out um i I was really cynical about the band at this point in time um you know i i came up during the puppet cycle and so i got to experience the the release of injustice for all and after that i mean i was a huge metallica fan but it just you felt like we we were waiting for the next great metallica album and it was just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment (laughs) And then we were told, you know, we're getting this record that's a great return to form for the band. Mm -hmm. And this thing came out and, you know, I remember listening through it and just thinking, this is trash and Metallica is done. Um, I've, I've come around on this album quite a bit in the last couple of years and I don't know... Uh, kind of preparing for this episode i've spent a lot of time with it and maybe it's a bit of stockholm syndrome or something but i find myself really liking this album suddenly but uh yeah at that time it just felt like everything had come to a head and just kind of crashed around the band and when the record came out we didn't have the reference of the documentary the documentary was another year later Mm -hmm. or so so it was just kind of a black hole of what in the world has happened um coming off of load and reload it 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 just felt like the band had lost their touch and this record was so far out in left field that Mm -hmm. um, the one thing it managed to do was unite the old school fans and the new school fans in a feeling that what in the world is this and what is this band doing uh but yeah it's it's grown on me recently i have mm-hmm. to say i think it does better when it's taken out of that time frame Definitely. um when Definitely. we don't have all that stuff kind of orbiting around it and all the interpersonal issues and the napster thing and all mm-hmm. that stuff that was going on um i think the album plays a lot better today and i think it feels um i i think i can sense a little more ambition in it than i did at the time yeah it's just you know it, it kind of missed the mark but I don't I I find it it's almost like listening to a new album to me at this point just because I was so dismissive of it at the time.
0: Yeah, I have tried to transplant myself back and it is fun to contextualize the listening because there is so much, you know, these Frankenstein components in this song that we're going to get to that is really confrontational, that is really different and quite, you know, hourly aggravating and quite bold as you say as well and I have got a lot of respect for this song. Overall, I must say I think a lot of this track is flawed compositionally. Um I think they it was set up wrongly and I mean let's just, let's just get into the song itself. So I, I you know I love the intro riff even though it's incredibly simple. It just relies on that that pulse that energy you know if you look on the fretboard it's just open three five there's nothing going on there and the band are employing the standard tactics of oh we'll open with the riff being quite quiet and then this incendiary explosion into the riff what i love though is just before the riff kicks in all proper and you know announces itself on the stage we have that dissonant cock that splash of feedback like it it really garnishes it well
1: yeah, I think so too. I think I like the way the song, even the clean guitar that comes in. And I don't care for the clean guitar sound on this record, but hmm. it's kind of got this fuzz around it that kind of sounds like it's kind of breathing into the song, which is very appropriate for yeah. the title of the song. And um, the riff kind of comes. In, it's it's a lot like all over Saint Anger, where I think it's too repetitive. I think yeah. it goes on for a little long. Um, And this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I feel a little bit of sense in the arrangement of For Whom the Bell Tolls, the way it kind of comes in and then we kind of get that guitar in. And and don't get me wrong, it's not on the level of Whom the Bell Tolls, but just structurally it kind of gives me that feeling. It's just the fact that it repeats itself again. It kind of outstays its welcome a little bit. But it's one of the few places in the album that you really feel like you're – kind of invited to the party if you will mm-hmm. the album's not too concerned with um it's not accessible. wanting you as a listener to partake it's kind Absolutely. of cold and distant and here you go and you can like it or leave it
0: but... you, you could put this on an nfl halftime show and the, the crowded rock with it i think the riff yeah absolutely there's a good
1: groove to it for sure
0: yeah Yeah. it's kind of like wrestling entry music and you know it, it carries itself forward and it's one of the highlights of the track one of the problems as you say is the repetitive nature we don't get into any singing until about two minutes in and we have that lead break as you say and then we have the choice to kind of repeat the main riff which in my opinion this is one of the big flaws I think you would honestly take this out of the song and you wouldn't really repeat the solo lead either but you know it's in the song and this is one of the fame scenes isn't it from the movie where kirk can't work out that riff yeah absolutely it's it's
1: as a novice guitar player myself it's good to see that makes you feel a little bit better about yourself yeah. Um, but I just have to say how in the world do you do a song called some kind of monster
0: and not let Kirk solo in it it's yeah. just crazy that is taunting him with that title especially his love of classic <laughs> <For> horror <sure. laughs> like there's never been a chance to uh... and there is that lead break as you like well now now and if you listen to that stripped of context as I mentioned before it sounds very amateurish it sounds like at school when I was like 15 we all had you know went in music class or whatever messed about on guitars and none of us can know how to play and there's just nothing to it like there's it's just it doesn't you know the, the bell's toll thing that you mentioned before great comparison that's iconic you know even though it's very repetitive that is just a beautiful motif this however is just a bluesy bendy Blair
1: yeah nothing to it it's very flat and dull um the only thing I do kind of dig about it is is the way it kind of crackles and it's got kind of this yeah the tone uh, is great cool. up to the sound to the tone which mm-hmm. you know always that's reminds true. me in the context of the song of like the lightning animating the Frankenstein monster, just having yeah. that energy kind of crackling around there. But, like that. you know, you, you referred a few episodes back to, um, I'm trying to remember what song, I think it was, um, shit, now it's going to escape me, right. but you basically referred to a load solo by Kirk as Flemmy, which I thought Flemmy. might be the absolute <laughs> top notch, the, the highest alpha Metallica is ever going to reach. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's a great descriptor for this little doodle here. It, it feels flimmy to me. It's just kind of yeah. blah, and there's no real tone to it mm-hmm. or any style to it. It's just there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crumbly, it's nasally. I've been listening recently back to Queens of the Stone Age's Songs for the Deaf, and it sounds a lot like Josh Homie's tone on that. And I want to give a quick shout-out, actually, to a podcast that I've been listening to recently. I'm sure a few listeners have probably checked that out as well. A listener, Jim, turned me on it. Uh, the Album Club. It's these three Australian dudes who do, like, two-hour episodes just on one album, Trap by Trap, The History, and that sort of stuff. Really worth checking out. They have actually done a Master of Puppets episode, which I haven't listened to yet. So, uh, guys, go check that out. But, yeah, as we progress in the song as well, before we get to the first first proper, there is that other riff that allows more of a breathing space in the song. And, you know, let's talk about the drums as well. They play a huge part as the riff is introduced and carries through. Does the snare bother you? For me, I don't really even hear it, but I know for a lot of people, it's a deal breaker.
1: Yeah, there, so there's times on this album where it's just overpowering and then there's times where it really just falls in the background and you yep. don't notice it so much. I think part of the problem is the album starts right away with it being in one of the most obvious places and it just kills you right off mm-hmm. the bat. Uh, but yeah, I think it, at times it's there and at times it, it doesn't really bother me. I don't notice it so much. I think it just depends on where you're at in the song and how much else is going on around it.
0: Yeah, and the, you know, the actual second repetition of the riffers are the the thing that Kirk's trying to catch. Like, for me, it's a little pointless. It's not great to listen to. Like, you know, this sort of idea, you know, so many bands do it, A Day to Remember with the breakdowns, Alexis on Fire, etc. Having that real taut, you know, chugged idea, that rhythmic motive. Like, it's not really here for that. It just seems like filler. Like, I don't really know what the point of it is.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure that the down tuning and the seven string type stuff really, um, really allows for James to do what he does best. I think everything gets so muddied that, um, I, I think that's part of the problem here. It's just it, you don't get you don't get a real sense of the expressiveness of his guitar playing because that sound is just. And I like the sound of, of the guitar yeah. on this track. I just don't think it necessarily accentuates what he's best at.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. We, you know, we get into another riff that becomes the verse riff, and as the verse riff is sung, yet again, there's another gauntlet thrown down to the listener. You know, who lo- this this die Metallica fan who loved the main riff and kind of this song's okay. It's not as bad as the other two that we just listened to, but in the verse that wow, you know, that kind of junkyard whale song, like what is that? I, I don't know that that kind of uh, the bend. that's it's back like a bend. There, it's it's James bending. bending. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: Uh, I, I think the documentary kind of starts off on that uh-huh. and it, it didn't dawn on me at first that that's what I was oh, yeah, listening course, to, but yeah. it is, it's, it's those bends. but they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of uninteresting. The tones, poor. I think the only thing that's interesting there is the actual riff line that's going on outside of the bends. kind of has a weird tone where it kind of turns back in on itself and sounds like it's kind of moving around, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not very interesting.
0: We get our first taste of the lyrical structure of the song here, which, as everyone knows, as everyone's seen that great clip from the film when rock sort of coaches the title out of Jane. Well, it's some kind of monster, you know, and this song is, you know, shout out Mary Shelley. We are building a Frankenstein here. These are, this is, lots of descriptions, lots of kind of aphoristic turns of phrase and typical Hetfieldian imagery altogether. All Jeremy, what, what do you make of the lyrics of this song? The ideas of some kind of monster? Uh, well, I
1: think it first and foremost, with this song and the entire album, it's just kind of a reminder that um, most genius is actually just hard work. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's rare to run across genius that is just dream of consciousness, which is what I think this album really is. Yeah. Uh, lyrically and musically, it just was kind of what they did. And, you know, Metallica had a a, a reputation for we're going to spend a year, we're going to spend 18 months in the studio to really perfect an idea and execute it uh you know even if, for someone like me who's not big on load and reload and even the blackout i can't argue that the execution was there um this record sounds like what it is which was we're going to work four hours a day on it and yeah. you know i appreciate it for what it is but there's definitely a difference in quality as to how everything gets resolved
0: yeah and you know yet again a lot of the lyrics are as you know as deaf-eared as a lot of the instrumentation as well uh, these are the hands that drop your trust like, that's yeah, just some, some cod poetry there yeah your guess is as good as mine yeah yeah i mean some of it's fine you know this is the feel that's not so safe that's that's too vague <laughs> what does that even mean like you're, you're so right the stream of consciousness thing some of them you know are sharpened to the point of meaning but a lot of them are just kind of whiteboard stuff Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I like the ideas. I like the ideas on this album thematically. I, it's really maybe the most personal album they've ever done. Um, James is just kind of regurgitating all the the shit he'd been through. Um, but it could have used a little bit more refinement, I think.
0: <laughs> and we get to the pre-chorus, the we the people like this. Does, does this bit win you over or? I, I like that part. I, I like the way the rift
1: kind of plays and drops out and plays yeah, and drops out yeah. and then comes in and stays for the second half of that. Um, the way the people, I, you know, it kind of, uh, it's evocative to me of the, the villagers chasing down Frankenstein and, and <laughs> yeah. James kind of saying that, hey, this sickness is us. It's not me. Um, it, as far as, uh, you know, the fact that we're all dealing with certain struggles and we all, have problem and and that's I, I think it's cool I di- I dig that little part of the song as it leads into the chorus and I dig the chorus as well I, it's it, no, nothing particularly complicated or special but it it does bring you into the song I think a little bit more um the melodies are really rough on the verses to me but I think the chorus works pretty well
0: yeah the chorus works very well and it kind of rescues the song to me personally I the song's only been played three times live which was pretty much in three consecutive dates in 2004. Uh, August 24th, played in Illinois, Peora. Uh, Chicago, Illinois, 27th, and then in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, sorry, that was on the 25th. So I watched a live performance of one of those, and just before the chorus, James said, like, come on, sing it, some kind of, you know. And it, it does have that amphemic quality. It's one of the rare moments on St. Anger where some true commercial comes through. Yeah, I agree. It's... it's um It is one of the few moments where the album
1: actually says to the listener, hey, engage with this and take part in it. Otherwise, you're just kind of on the sidelines taking it in and not sure what it is that you're exactly listening to.
0: Yeah. And what do you think overall, if we're talking more in a macro sense of this being the third song on the album? Do you think it undermines the sort of total coherence? Like if it went from, Saint anger, maybe into dirty window into my world, into invisible kid or something like that. do Do you think it ruins it or do you not really think about those sort of things?
1: well i think coming off i i think saint anger is the song saint anger is is kind of arranged in a similar way and i think it is kind of a one two um yeah. they they feel very similar in how they play out to me that they just kind of the revisiting of the same ideas over and over and, and so yeah i think some space in between it and saint anger would have helped it um i don't know that it's the best place to have put the song and and there's some editing that could have been done on this song for sure to make it uh, a little more palatable. Um, but when it, it – I mean, it, it just – the whole album is this way. There's there's not really any place I could say move St. Anger – or excuse me, mm-hmm. some kind of monster to that might work better because it. Th- this is one of those albums you listen to it start to finish and you can kind of enjoy it. And at the end, you're just still left not really sure what you just went through. It's It's just weird.
0: It is, and a lot of it is pretty forgettable and pretty repetitive and quite monotonous. And, you know, I am a St. Anger apologist, as we've established on so many episodes, but this is not one of my favourites for those reasons, even though there are some real shining highlights. Like, you know, for instance, there's that riff that comes in, like, the six minute, that slide riff that we also see in the movie. Like, just not really want to St. Anger's great moments
1: very i i think it's very evocative of the load era personally yeah, it sounds yeah. like a load riff to me it does um i i do like when that kind of kicks in and we get that ominous i'm in us part um mm-hmm. underneath the i'm in us part he f- kind he, he gets up on the neck a little bit and we get a little more trouble in mid-range which is really welcome by this point in the album because you don't get much of that at all Um, So I do dig that little riff that's behind it and he kind of slides out of it uh, kind of on his own time against the riff. And I think that kind of brightens up the back end of this song, which, you know, really when that breakdown starts, I think the song kind of falls apart. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that's this album. You've got to take the good with the bad.
0: Absolutely. And that ominous, ominous idea, like purify, purify, Hetfield playing these Lewis Carroll type word games on the songs for some reason. Like a lot of people, you know, it's a love hate relationship with the ominous section. A lot of people think it's maybe a bit cringy. Where do you fall on the voice? Uh,
1: it's cringy and it's kind of cool. I don't, I don't know a better way to put it. I mean, it's, (laughs) that's, that's the story of this record.
0: (laughs) It's a cool, cringy record. Yeah, yeah,
1: it is. (laughs) You've got to swallow down a lot of BS in order to enjoy it, but you can enjoy it if you can figure out a way to do that.
0: And you know the song continues out, and I definitely notice right at the end of the song, like literally the- th- last three or four seconds, you can kind of hear this i don't want to say it sounds like Kirk trying to break free, but it's like this flurry of high notes, and then it kind of ends,
1: yeah, are you talking about the little tag at the end that's yeah, the, yeah. yeah i it's almost sounds like circus music. I don't mm-hmm. know what was going on there, but if that was uh if that was Kirk's attempt to get a lead in the album somewhere, <laughs> uh good for him, I guess.
0: <laughs> and, you know, altogether, it is a really, really long song. Uh, you know, it's the second long... Sorry, the third longest... Jesus, the third longest I'm saying. So it's 8 minutes yeah. 26, and then we have Invisible Clue at 8.30, and then All Within My Hands at 8.48. That's crazy. It's three eight-minute songs on there, but I guess there's as much on fucking Death Magnetic or Hardwired. So, um, yeah, we get to the end of the track, you know, and for you as a whole, like, is there more good than bad on a micro scale here as representative of the album or is it kind of ruined Uh,
1: you know I think that if you can get to a point where you can appreciate what was going on what the band was trying to accomplish um, you you can gain an appreciation for it It, it's as I said it's a mixed bag it's good and bad and every song I I don't know that there's one song on this record I would pick out and say I think that's a good song start to finish Um, but every song with maybe the exception of purified gives me something uh and you know i think at the time this record came out it felt like okay well great here's here's metallica now we've we've gone on from being a kind of an alternative grungy type sound to now we're trying to be a new metal band but in retrospect now looking back on it, i'm not sure that's really what they were trying to certainly they're pulling from that and there's some of the new metal um, kind of histrionics in there that mm. don't play very well to me. Uh, but it, if it's a gutsy choice, I mean, they they could have easily put out another Load Reload type album. Um, they could have easily put out a Death Magnetic type album where, you know, I like Death Magnetic, but I I've always felt that it just doesn't elevate to greatness. I feel like they... Right really were trying for the first time in their career to revisit something they'd already done and, and remake Justice, but mm-hmm. they just didn't have the inspiration for it. So St. Anger, it, for all its flaws, at least it tries to do something different. And with as much uh, credibility issues as the band had at this point, I mean, it's, it was a gutsy thing to do. And I don't know that they really recovered from it until Hardwired came out.
0: Yeah, you're right, it was It was a a brave decision, certainly And you have to admire it And, you know, some people absolutely love the album I, I certainly enjoy it a hell of a lot But yeah, this one, Some Kind of Monster not the greatest song, you know, probably wouldn't be in my top five of St. Anger uh, as a whole. You guys at Metallica Pod is always great to hear what you think of the songs. Tommy says, I really enjoy this song, though it's long as hell. The main riff is heavy, with a real great groove to it. I particularly love the clip from the movie where they were trying to figure out the chorus. I actually love the drums on this. The snare especially works on the chorus where Lars let it rings out and breathe a little. And James's vocals are great, as per usual. Phil says, one of my favourite songs on the album, though the single video edit is superior to me. Mercifully removing the droning, ominous us section um Jerry, the the single edit like that was mixed differently wasn't it, it shortened a huge amount yeah and i i don't care
1: for it i mm. i think it takes the best parts of this well I, maybe i won't say the best parts but it really pulls out i want to call it thrash i don't know that there's tra- traditional thrash in this song but when lars picks up a thrash beat at least um it pulls a lot of it out and i that thrash beat that Lars does all across this album is kind of the same thing over and over. But it's kind of hypnotic, the way he just hits the kick drum and just dun, dun, dun. You know, and it. I like that part of the album. I like that they do that. And I don't think the radio edit works well for this song. I think it takes the the real, the, the as much soul as there is in this song to be found, I think it takes it out
0: of it. Yeah, Randy Storb, it was produced by Staub Storb, and Lars said apparently in an interview that other songs were remixed but were never released. Uh, Triton on Twitter saying, like a lot of songs are say anger some parts could have been shortened. It's still a really catchy song with great guitar work and a groove performance from Lars. Rouse saying, this used to be one of my favourites of this album too. It's kind of fallen off a bit for me as time goes on. It's gotten a bit too slow and plodding for me lately. It did a great job with this one lyrically though. Love the Frankenstein imagery here. Damn it, where's my ripper? Which, yeah, as you say before, Kirk does belong to be on this song apart from the last four seconds which probably isn't fucking kirk anyway it's one of Lars's. (laughs) like when Lars had that label and he signed those djs he probably got them on it or something like (laughs) uh garrett saying ashamed to admit when the local radio station premiered it the night before saying it was released i thought it was a joke the remix version is legit though and dante finally saying i kind of like the riff but that's it so yeah unsurprisingly you know people aren't overtly effusive in their appreciation of the track but let us know what you think about some kind of monster. Um, get in touch with me at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Our Patreon is there. Our iTunes is there. All the things I've mentioned at the top and end of every episode. Jeremy, I mean, we, you know, we've had you on the show before. We did uh, House at Jackbuilt, and was it Motor Breath? Uh, yeah, it yeah. was. Okay, okay. So um, go, I think House at Jackbuilt actually is the only episode where I went in not liking the song and our discussion, like I ended up like really appreciating it. That's really cool, Tom. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm, you know, and it, that's funny
1: because I'm kind of lukewarm on that song myself. Yeah. But I, I think we did find some things to enjoy
0: about <laughs> we it. We did. We did. I don't really... Yeah, I'm not kind of over it at the moment. I'm not really revisiting it. But uh, yeah, go check that one out, the Mohead one, um, the Motor Breath one out. Um, I guess, you know, we've done the sort of quick-fire questions, stuff like that. Any any music things you've been listening to or anything you just recommend in general? Uh, I I mean, I I don't
1: have anything new, no. I, I've been enjoying a lot of Metallica. Um, it really again, to go back to, I know you're kind of lukewarm on hardwired. Um, and I understand why that is. I, you know, I was listening to your slither episode a few days ago (laughs) and I was just about falling out of my chair. Uh, (laughs) but all I could think about as you were going through, that was murder one and thinking that's pretty much just as bad of a song. Um, I think it gets a little more of a break because we're no longer in the era of supposed peak Metallica.
0: Um,
1: so I, I get kind of why you're you're somewhat lukewarm on that album. But, um, you know, for me, songs like Atlas and Moth and Spit Out the Bone, I mean, I, those are stand up there pretty close to the all-time classics. Um, but anyways, to go back to Slither real quick, all I could think about when you were doing that episode was um, the Merciful Fate medley and mm. particularly the line, um, when you're down beyond the ground, I'll dig up your body and make love to shame. And I thought – you know, if Slither was a living thing that we could kill and bury, Tom would be the one out there digging it up to,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> to kind of degrade it one last time.
0: <laughs> Look, I, I mean, I get that people love that song. You know, I appreciate it, but uh, yeah, I was aware when I was doing it. I was, almost, I was vamping it up slightly.
1: I can't tell you how much I loved you going in on Slither like that. I mean, I, I've, I've heard you do songs that you don't care for, but you're usually pretty. Uh, you're pretty much like, you know, to each their own. But that song, you sounded like you were itching for a fight from the <laughs> second that episode started. <laughs> i never heard you like that before.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it just, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I just had a lot to say about, you yeah, know, how much I despise it. but And I just needed to get that final kick in because I don't think there's much reload left, actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and when you dropped that, uh, did he go to rehab for 5-7 line? I thought that was... Oh, uh, yeah. That was just perfect,
0: man. I... <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to get your thoughts out. So, yeah, guys, go check out those episodes. Go check out the episodes we did as well. Uh, is there anything you'd like to promote yourself? No, not at all. I, I just appreciate you having me on. I
1: appreciate the job you're doing. Uh, looking forward to to where you go from here. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, thanks, for, thanks man. And, uh, yeah, guys, we will be back very shortly, as we always are. What do we have coming up? We have Spout the bone which will be coming out on Thursday. And then St. Anger, Stone Cold Crazy, Stone Dead Forever, The Struggle Within, Suicide and Redemption, Sweet Amber. That's the S's. And then we start with that, Was just your life. So as always, if you dug the episode and you want to help support the show, Patreon, iTunes, all that stuff is there. Uh, go check out that Australian podcast as well. The Alm Club, really good show. Yeah, this has been Tom. Jeremy, thank you again. Thanks, Tom.
1: Appreciate it.